What up, this is your boy DJ EFN. You might know me as a drink champ, but first and foremost, I'm a proud father. I linked up with two of my other dad homies, Manny Digital and KGB, to start the Fatherhoods podcast. Each week, we bring you insider hip-hop stories, parenting, and advice and therapy. The saying is true, it takes a village, and we humorously serve as each other's trusted counsel in figuring out how not to screw up being a good dad. The Fatherhood Podcast. Fatherhood. Beats, Beats, rhymes, and diapers. Ready to go? Yes, sir. Okay. All right, so, so this week's guests have been doing the good job of schooling us all on financial literacy. And in a way, someone with beer brain like myself can understand. <laughs> Lately, I've been reposting their clips like I'm a part of the street team in hopes of getting their knowledge and that their knowledge rubs off on everybody I know. Facts. Not only are these guys money gurus, but more importantly... For this podcast, they're fathers. Let's welcome Rashad Bilal and Troy Millings, a.k.a. Earn Your Leisure Podcast. Welcome, fellas, to the Fatherhood Podcast. Uh, now tell us how we get rich fast. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, quickly. How many kids you got? And then let's beeline to where we get this money. Uh, okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. And 2.5. Uh, uh, yeah, I, got, I have one, one child. And I have two. I have a, a son and a daughter. Okay, dope. And, and I know, um, Troy, you said seven and ten. Your boy is seven and your daughter's ten. She's turning ten uh, in June. Okay. So she'll be ten in a, a couple couple months. And then Rashad, your son yeah, is... I have, I have a son who's ten. He's ten. Okay. So y'all yeah. planned it, basically. Y'all was like... <laughs> That's kind of how it worked out. They're six months apart, like almost to the day. Yeah. All right, let's cut, let's cut to the chase, Manny, <laughs> and get uh, your first question out about how many more kids is everyone going to have? Yeah, because Manny's, Manny's Dominican, and I think in the Dominican culture, they try to have a million kids. I, th- I think this ship has sailed. Like, I'm not even going to bother you, because, yo, you're, you're, you're not going to... Nobody's starting over. You're not starting uh, over from uh, 10, and you're not starting over from 7. So my, my lucky number is 3. And so I, I want to cap at three. If Are I you can. going for three? Now, I'm, I'm gonna try. I'm at two and I'm done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm Calipari, man. One and done. <laughs> we're, man. we're on that same team right here. So. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, but let's talk about that for a second. Like, so Troy, you still got the possibility in your head. Like, you're not necessarily knocking it, right? But right. but Rashad, did you come to that determination? Like, after you had your first, before, like, when was it? Like, all right, this is it. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was like, I never, you know how people grow up and they always want to be like a father, family man, and all that. Like, it just kind of happened to me. And it's a, it's the greatest blessing that ever happened to me. But I never really had that plan of being a parent. Like, I still feel like I'm a kid myself in a lot of ways. So <laughs> I don't really know. But I feel like going through 10 years with my son and um, it would be difficult for me to start back at zero at this point. Like, I'm almost... Done. Like, you know what I'm saying? Almost, he's uh, almost. A, my a, life is almost. He's almost. He almost at the finish line. Like, you know <laughs> so, Count down to eighteen. Yeah. So yeah. So for me, you know, I, I really enjoy. I didn't really like the early stages of oh, like wow. having to change diapers and not being able to talk and like now. What's not to like about that? <laughs> he said not being able to talk. Yeah. <laughs> so now you know he's like just a little person. So it's like, especially to have a son for me. You know, I just like I don't know how it is to raise a girl, but to raise it, I'm just raising him like he's just a friend of mine. Like you know what I'm saying, so it's easy, it's easy for me to do that. Um, so I'm, I'm wait, you raise your friends? That's <laughs> 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 the worst. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not I'm not your traditional parent, but uh, but nah. So it's like you know, it's just I feel like I'm in a sweet spot with one. Well, you know, anything can happen, but not on my to do list for sure. So you're not yeah, the I, parent that um, that's reprimanding your son. Like you just chilling, and then mom's is dealing with all the. Yeah, I mean, stuff. you know me. I'm a single parent, so oh. he spends time with me and his mom. So when he's with me, he's just with me. I have him like all the time, and I don't think I ever really reprimanded him ever. I, I don't really. That's not really my personality. So with me, his mother's way stricter with him than I am. So he loves to just because I don't really I just feel it like you know what I'm saying he gets to pretty much do whatever he wants. He's on virtual school, like in bed, like you know what I'm saying, it's just chilling. So yeah. Yeah, 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 I'm definitely not hey, don't take notes, people. I'm not a yeah. it's, it's crazy, it's crazy because like I grew up and like my dad is more strict, and um he was like more of a strict person, and 
I'm like the complete opposite. So I just kind of, I guess, just made my own blueprint to be a parent just based off of, I guess, how I would want to be raised. And it's been working so far. So you, you think you're just doing opposite of your father being strict to you? You think you just... No, nah, I think I think it's just more so just my personality. And I'm just right. being true to, true to myself. Um, and not to say like my dad was like real strict drill sergeant, but you know, he was just a regular parent. Like if he needed to discipline you, he disciplined you. Right. But I never disciplined my son ever. Um, so yeah, it's just you know never. <laughs> so he's so a really good kid though. He doesn't really do too much though. He is a okay. great kid. He doesn't really do too much. Um, but yeah, it's like you know he's he's in the video game stuff like that. So when he becomes a teenager, maybe he'll he'll need some discipline. But ho- hopefully he's not. Be late. He's gonna be too late. By <laughs> I listening to you. <laughs> like, yeah, now you want to discipline? <laughs> Come on, I'll start this now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> being, being a single parent, um, are you on? I guess are you and his mom are they are you guys on the same wavelength in terms of I guess the kind of things that you, like you want your son to emulate and the kind of morals you want him to have reason I asked we we had a conversation about this like a couple episodes ago about like are we all collectively thinking about like the morals that we that we want to bestow upon our kids you know forget the whole thing I want you to be uh, you know a doctor or any of that kind of stuff but like I want, you know, we want our kids to be good humans or they, we want them to have endurance or any of that, you know, whatever those things may be. So we were talking about that. And then someone had re- responded to one of our posts and made mention of like, this is all this is all good stuff, but it's much harder when you're a single parent and then the other parent isn't necessarily thinking along those lines or trying to teach their child something different contrary to to what you are trying to teach them and, and bring them up to be how, how are you dealing with that yeah, yeah. It, it, it could definitely be difficult because it's two different people and they have two different ways of thinking but fortunately for me i mean um i guess like you know pretty much the the general things of life most people kind of agree on as far as like be a good person be kind stuff like that that's easy the hard parts you know for me, like even like diet, that could be an issue. Like, you know, like I'm Muslim. I was raised Muslim, so I don't eat pork. And that would be a big thing. But she's a vegetarian. So Whew. that was it. That wasn't an issue. Um, and even like what religion, like she's not really a religious person. So that's a conflict. So you a lot looked of out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some regards for sure. So, you know, it's something that I haven't really had too many issues with. It's like I want to do this with him and she wants to do that with him. Pretty much, you know, if we're not on the same page, she's not really has an issue. She doesn't have an issue to anything that, you know, I've done. And we don't really do too much, but it definitely could be an issue. I've seen it happen before. And you don't really think about that stuff when you're dating somebody or when you, you know, when things are going good. But as soon as stuff goes bad, then it's like, no, Uh I want to do this. Uh Like, I want to do this. And like you pulling the kid in two different directions. And it's confusing because, you know, for a child, to go like from one place to another place. And then it's two total different things being thrown at them. They don't really know what to, to think about it. Like I said, it could be something even as simple as diet. Like if somebody's a strict vegan and somebody else is eating ribs every day, that's going to be an issue. Like, you know what I'm yeah. saying? It's like, you feel like you're doing it on purpose, but the other person feels like I'm just doing what I'm doing. Like I'm not throwing it in your face, but right. now that the child is being like, you know, torn and used as a pawn in certain things. So. <laughs> It made me think of the story when um his because his sons you know we're close family like we, we're always around each other. I remember when um he wanted to eat chicken because he was eating he was around my kids and he was like, "Can I eat this chicken?" I'm like, uh, "Aren't you vegetarian?" He was like, "Yeah." I'm like, "All right, go tell your pops." <laughs> <laughs> he's a he a scaredetarian. <laughs> Don't tell him. Yeah, that's I mean that's that's so you keep with the vegetarian. Did you say vegan or vegetarian? So I, I'm a pescatarian. Okay. Oh. This is, so it, this is kind of crazy because I'm a pescatarian. She's a vegetarian. And he eats chicken. <laughs> <laughs> go, go figure. Yeah, He's a yeah, poultry-tarian. He's hanging around the right yeah, kids. At first, at first, he was raised just on vegetarian. And then I gave him some fish. She actually got mad at me about that. Um, that was years ago. I gave him fish because he kept begging me for it. And then once he ate fish, that kind of opened his eyes to other stuff. So then he started to eat turkey and chicken. Um, So I'm actually trying to work on getting him stop eating chicken. But it's hard to start. The fish was a gateway, man. It was a gateway. (laughs) That's a fact. fact. That is a fact, though. Yeah, Yeah, that's a fact. 
Yeah, I guess for me, as far as kids, um, I always wanted kids. Uh, my my three is my my number, and so the, it, it it ties into my life so perfectly. Uh, my grandmother had three kids; they were all boys. My dad was the third one. He had three kids; they were all boys. I was the third one. I was oh. born on March third. I'm like, all right, this is perfect. I'm gonna have three kids. I'm gonna have three boys. I'm just gonna keep this thing going. And so when my wife was pregnant, right away, you got a girl. I'm like, ah oh, man, it's over. The lineage is broken. And so, um, <laughs> so I, I'm sure my dad was was happy about that. But um, so yeah, I didn't care what I had really. It's just I wanted a healthy child. And so during her pregnancy, it was so tough. She went into like preterm labor in January, and my daughter wasn't due till July. And so wow. it was like crazy. So she was on, yeah, she was on bed rest for like five months. So like every day I'm in the hospital, sleeping in the hospital, going to work and teaching. And um, so that was an experience in itself. So just having my daughter come here healthy was was a beautiful thing. And then two years later, my son, and I was like, this is great. And uh, time went on and I was like, you know what? This might be a good time. Like if, if, if any time is better than now, let me know, God. And so <laughs> I said, let's, let's try for three. My wife was like, no way. No way. I'm like, look, we're about to get our lives in order. Our financial situation is great. She said, nah, I want to enjoy my life. So we'll see what happens. Good luck with that. I was trying to push for <laughs> I was trying to push for yeah, four yeah. and my wife put the kibosh on that shit real quick. And now I'm I'm like, yeah, honey, you right. Four is kind of crazy right now. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> let, let me ask y'all. Being that we're talking to you know to you guys, some of my friends that have like five kids. I have two friends that have five kids each. And their whole thing is like, once you have more than one, it's the same financially. Uh, what do you guys think financially adding each? But what, what does each kid add financially into to the household? That that first that first three years of life, especially um, from a daycare standpoint, is equivalent to like going to college. I, I remember paying yeah. daycare bills was like sixteen hundred to two thousand a month. And so if you do that for 12 months, that's twenty four thousand dollars right there per kid. And so. Kids, I mean, it's a very expensive thing. Thankfully, like I had support from my parents, like for a couple of years, the first year and a half, my, my mom was like, you know, I'll watch the kids for you. And so we didn't really have to do daycare. But after a while, they, you know, we wanted them to have social interaction. So I had two kids in daycare at the same time and I couldn't wait. I was like, I cannot wait till she gets to kindergarten. And so I don't have to pay this bill anymore because it, it can be taxing, right? You figure you, you're paying to live, right? You pay rent somewhere, you're paying daycare for two, that's almost $5,000 right there every month that is going, let alone anything else. If you got, you know, the feeding and the pampers and it's a lot, man. It's, it's a very expensive, expensive responsibility. But then also, I think we got to look at it from two sides of the coin. It's, it's a good conversation because Troy is married I'm, and I'm single, um, but we're both parents. And it's two ways. One of the biggest threats to your financial stability is bad relationships and children. It's just mm. the reality. Damn. Especially if especially if you're single, that's a real conversation that you got to have because it's like, all right, now you got to take care of the children mm -hmm. and child support comes in many different forms. That's a different right. conversation. But, um, yeah. I mean, it's a real conversation a real that you conversation. definitely got to have as a yeah. parent. And it's like, all right, so if you got one kid, I think in New York State, it's like 17, something 17%. like that. If you got two kids, it's like 30%. Mm -hmm. like, of, of your earnings? Of your earnings, right. So, and then it's like, it's like four kids, three kids. It's like it's less the, money for they, they each cap kid. It, yeah. so it's like 40% or something like that. So it's like, all right, if you making, you know, $50,000 a year before tax, now you got to take out tax, you got to take out health insurance, you got to take out, and now 30% of your income. But the thing about child support is that it's not like, if you're a good parent, you're still going to have to spend money on your child when, he, when they're with you. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you're giving 30% of your income away, but now when they're with you, you still gonna pay for things, you still gonna take them shopping, you still yeah. gonna so now that could be upwards of 45% of your income that's going to child care. That stops a lot of people from investing, yeah. from starting a business because you just don't have enough money. So it's like the financial aspect of having a child is something that people really gotta think about and really take into consideration because it's not something that is like gonna go away, mm -hmm. it's here, and mm -hmm. it's really nothing you can do about it. You can be cordial about it. Or right. you can go through the court system. Yeah. But either way, I mean, unless you're going to be a deadbeat dad, you got to pay. So the more kids you have, that's a, that's a bigger bill. And if you're married, it's like there's still a bigger bill, like everything that you said. So, um, yeah, remember our boy? Remember we had a friend of ours who was living with his, the mother of his child and he was paying child support. 
And they were in a relationship. Jesus Christ. No, they were. In, they wasn't like. What a bad, what a bad deal. <laughs> it wasn't even a dysfunctional relationship at the time. It was just they weren't married. And that's what she knew. She knew that if you're not married, then yeah. you put them on papers. But it stops a lot of people. I don't know if y'all had that conversation on your podcast, but since it's a fatherhood podcast, uh, child support is a real thing. So, Shout out to yeah. Freeway. He did a documentary on child support. And um, it, it really cripples a lot of people. And um, even just the legal you know, cost of dealing with the court yeah, system. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So it's like, you know, fortunately for me, it's not, you know, I'm fortunate to be in a good financial space. So it's no problem for me to take care. I'm, you know, we can do it without any court system involved, but a lot of people may not be as fortunate. And it's like, when you're just struggling just to make ends meet one or two kids, you know, that can be the difference of whether you actually have somewhere to live or not. It's a fact. That's and on top of it, and if you're employed, think about how many times you actually have to go to court for the child support. Mm. And, and I mean, even in hip hop, we've seen it with some of our, you know, legends, DMX, Scarface, mm -hmm. like they can take, they can take your passport. They can put you in jail. I know people that went to jail for child support. So yeah. yeah. It's something that it's something to consider when having a child is like it's 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 a financial decision. It definitely it's definitely is. a financial decision. <laughs> it definitely is. But do do you think that so for example, like in our communities, black and Latinos or people from lower that come from lower tax brackets, do you think we think enough about that stuff? We prepare, we educate ourselves nah. because are are the higher tax bracket counterparts thinking all that stuff? I feel like they're more prepared. Obviously, they have generational wealth. Yeah. They do things, you know, insurance, whatever, whatever, you know. And it's and it's yeah, they're not we're not we're a not. lot of and I don't want to say just generalize it, but proportionally we're not. Right. And um one of the so I said one of the greatest things, one of the greatest detriments to your wealth is divorce, bad relationships, and kids out of wedlock. But one of the greatest ways to build wealth is to get married because now you combine in two incomes and you start in a family. And um, yeah, that's something that, you know, take into consideration, like, all right, I'm married. Now we starting a family. Not to say that you have to do it because everybody's different with their blueprint, mm -hmm, but right. I mean, it's been proven. Yeah, two incomes better than one. And not only that, it's just, you have a stronger trajectory of building wealth that way, as opposed to just having a kid and just figuring it out. Unfortunately, I mean, even me, you know, a lot of times we just, we're young, we have a kid and we just got to figure it out on the fly. I, I never planned to have a kid. Yeah. Like I was saying, it wasn't in all my right. life plan to be like, all right, I'm trying to have a baby. It's like, <laughs> surprise. You know what I'm saying? Now figure Only it out. Six years old, gotta, gotta figure it out. That's it. That's it. Yeah, we don't prepare. I had this conversation the other day and it was, it was in terms of college and how it became the child's responsibility in our community. When really, and I think you said this to me too. It was like that should be something that your your parents are preparing for. Chill, like, chill, chill. Don't say that. Don't say that too loud. My daughter, she's fourteen. She's upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that I mean, think about what what's gonna happen, right? If we don't prepare for them, especially like some of these expenses that they're gonna have, going to college, application fees, all these things, student loan. If we don't prepare them for it, then guess who they're gonna be living with because they are in so much debt. But not even that. It wasn't even college. Shout out to um Derek Grace, good friend of ours. It was to get a job. That's that too. That's that's what was more because it was like you know, most people when you it's just it's automatically assumed that when you get of working age you're gonna become a camp counselor you're gonna work in Wendy's you're gonna you know right. what I'm saying CBS and that's just normal. Start from the bottom. But it's thing. like all right, why why can't it be normalized that your child um, works for you in the family business? Mm -hmm. It's like you know if you're an entrepreneur your child really should like if my child at 15 years old has to start out working as a camp counselor, like, because he has no other options, then that's a failure on my part. Right. Cause I started a business and it should be able to employ, whether he wants to be employed by us or not, that's a different conversation, but he shouldn't have to go yeah, to somebody else for employment yeah. when his father is an entrepreneur. So when I heard that, I'm like, I never really heard anybody say it like that, but I'm like, damn, that's, that's true. If you really think about it, Yo, you especially just... for us, for us business owners, like if we, if we're creating businesses and, and it's not to employ our kids down the line, mm -hmm. What are we creating for? Yeah, that's part of the preparation. It's like, these are the things that we have to have ready for our kids in the event, right? So it's a choice. Yeah, they can choose to do that, or this is the option. Whereas when we grew up, it was, go find it, figure it out. Right. You just you raised it a really good point. It is what it is. It wasn't a knock to our parents. It's just kind of how it was. You, you raised a good point because, you know, nepotism has a really negative connotation to it, right? But in this context, it's it's dope like this is what it should be right like you you pulling up your seeds through the things you're creating i mean granted like you're not going to give them something if they don't deserve it but you know you know what it only has a negative connotation because we've been on the other side of it true 
we see we see we working so hard and then we see our boss hire their their nephew and it's like damn i worked 10, but he got promoted over me earn your leisure all we do is nepotism every single person that's involved with us is friends or family mm. i only work with yeah. friends and family yeah. i believe in that like if i'm gonna pay somebody i might as well pay somebody that i know personally or somebody that i could stimulate their economy and they can stimulate my economy that's how we really grow that's group that's group economics it's just that unfortunately for black and latino people We've always been on the other side, looking at somebody else get advantages and, and, and you know get the union jobs, and we we haven't been so. Now it's like we got a bad idea about nepotism because we've never benefited from it. But once we start to actually benefit from nepotism, mm -hmm. and once we start to practice nepotism, now we realize that okay, well, it's really not that bad. We just never actually did it because we wasn't in a position to do it. Yeah, and we didn't know anybody who was in position. We we watched it happen. We become the victims of it, right? Like that person got a raise over me, or that person got promoted over me. Wait, he, how did how did this happen? He's fifteen years younger than me. This is what's happening in the real world. It's just that our, our community hasn't seen it happen, and so that's why it's so important that what we're doing, like people see the podcast and everything like that, but the behind the scenes of, of who we're hiring and how we're intentionally hiring is just as important. All right, it's creating those ladders to 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 bring people up with you. Yeah, exactly. As we climb, we 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 lift. So that's right. that's the model. Before we talk about more going to the, the financial side and kids, can can for those that aren't familiar with Earn Your Leisure, can you just give a snapshot of, of what you guys have been up to? Yeah, for sure. Um, so Earn Your Leisure is a financial literacy slash business slash investing platform that we built um, a little over two years ago. And um, it started as, you know, Instagram and it has grown into now where we have the top business podcast in the world. We have a podcast network, but we have four shows under our umbrella, Earn Your Leisure Network. Mm -hmm. um, we have an online university called EYL University, um, a variety of side businesses that have grown, um, whether trucking, real estate. Um, we have a stock show called Market Mondays, YouTube channel, almost 400,000 people, 400,000 people 400, today, today on YouTube. So it's, it's a community. That's the best way to describe it. It's community online. And we took a different approach from most traditional business outlets where, you know, most people talk about business and they, they um, use extremely complicated words and right. suits on, they have ties on, things of that nature. We just came just how we are um, and just regular everyday people when we kind of made it more of a barbershop conversation and it's grown into something that, you know, I think has really changed the face of business and how people actually view it and has encouraged thousands and maybe even millions of yeah. people to actually get involved in with business, investing, real estate, stocks, things of that nature. Uh, I, so I, I was looking up, so I started a, a dad brand with physical products recently, right? And I was looking up like how to value your company, right? So it's a startup. We're about to launch our product maybe in a month or so. And I'm, I'm casting it on my television, like going through YouTube, like, all right, what are the things you got to consider in order to value the company? So I'm there and I'm, and I'm doing it. And my, my son comes in, he's seven. He's, he's just like standing there looking. And like you just talked about, like the complicated terminology and ideologies around how to consider value, the valuation of a company mm -hmm. are, are just flowing through the TV. And my son's there again, he's seven. So he's there like definitely confused, but knows for some reason, like what's being spoken about is kind of major. So he's, he's asking me like, yo, what are you watching? Like, why are you watching this? And I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand how I got to think about va the value of what fly dad gear is going to be. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's over, he knows what that is. Cause we talk a lot about the business I'm, I'm generating and he's like, wait, so how does that work? And I'm like, yo, honestly, bro, I'm trying to figure it out right now. But, <laughs> We're going to figure this out together. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm like painting the picture. I'm like, yo, look, I, I need, you know, I'm going to go get investment so that we can fast track the development of this business. And in order for me to do that, I have to have a good factual understanding of what market I'm tapping into, how big that market is, what percentage of that market I think I can grab. And then from there, develop the valuation of the company so that people that invest know what the outcome might be for them if we succeed. And he sure. caught it. And I was like, damn, son. So I'm all that to say, like the complications that of, of the complicated information that's out there is is really is fucked up. Right. Because like I'm not a dummy, but the the level of intricacy that was being spoken about still has me dizzy. Right. And yeah. so things like that, you guys seem to simplify. So I, I guess 
I'd love for you guys to comment on like how you are able to to translate a lot of this stuff for dumb it down for for us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's kind of a commonplace for us. It's something that we've always talked about as, as, as far as business. Um, and like you said, it, it really is a barbershop and it started in a parking lot. Where we would talk about different business strategies and different things that were happening in music. But I, I'm glad you brought up the point about your son because I've had the similar conversation. But the things that are going on that you're trying to watch were done very intentionally for you not to understand, right? Because yeah. the chances are, if you don't understand it, you'll give up on it and you'll be stagnant. But it's important because at seven years old, you're having a conversation with a child who may not have ever heard anything about evaluation. Now he understands it. I had the same thing happen with my son. Uh, I was watching CNBC, and this is why it's very important to, for parents to be very cognizant of the things that you're watching because kids know. They know. They may not say anything, but they know. And I was watching CNBC, and they were talking about Roblox, and it automatically it clicked with him. Oh, that's that's the thing. That what's that on TV? Let me. And so that led to a conversation about what Roblox is, what an IPO is, how you can own a piece of a company instead of just paying or taking my money to pay every three weeks. And so that invites a conversation. Now he can go to school and talk to his seven year old friends about it, right? In addition, when we rode to school, like the next day, there was an infomercial on about the IRS and he, Daddy, what's that? <laughs> I'm like, they collect the money from us every year. And he's like, okay, bet. When I picked them up in school, bad man. Yeah, yeah, bad man. (laughs) The the next thing he said to me is after I explained it to him, when I picked him up from school, I want to be the IRS. I'm like, nah, nah, you don't want to be the IRS. I'm like, why you want to be the IRS? He's like, they take every they collect everybody's money. I'm like, okay. Okay. Now that it makes sense. So he's connecting the dots. But it's, it was sparked from something he heard and something he watched. And so was, you got to be very intentional. And so when I'm talking to my son, and it's the same premise. I'm talking to him so he can understand. And so when we talk to our audience, it's the same thing. If he's able to understand it, then we know we know that we've communicated in a way that the general public can understand. He's seven years old. And so it's not a knock against anybody. We're not trying to dumb anything down. We're talking in a language that we understand it in and that we can explain it in. And so the goal really is after we explain it, hopefully now you can go teach somebody. That's really the premise of it, right? I teach you something, you heard something, you learned it, you apply it, now you go teach the next person. And so like, that's how you build community. And, and I think that's the perfect word to describe what we are. It's really a, a learning community. Yeah, I mean, we, I think we have the best product in the world, which is education, because ultimately you're always gonna need to learn. This is why college will never be obsolete. This is why you have to go to school. You're forced to learn. If you really think about it, it's the only thing in life where you're forced to do something. If you don't go to school, you can actually be arrested. It's truancy cops. So it's like, you know, we are the best product in the world. Problem with the information that was being delivered is that I don't even necessarily know if it was done intentionally, but it was just no messengers that delivered it in a language that the people could understand. So it's like, you know, when you speak a language, you can speak the same language like, but it's, it's completely different from one person hearing it to another person hearing it. So, you know, we can both be speaking English, but if you're going to, you know, Oxford, you know, you might not f- you fully understand what they're saying, even though they're speaking English. But when you listen to Earn Your Leisure, you know exactly what we're saying. So, you know, there's been people before us that were black that was talking about financial literacy, but it was mo- mainly like one particular thing, like they was in real estate or they were in, you know, banking or it was just one particular thing like i don't think there was never really a platform where we covered every single aspect of business like a cnbc but in hip-hop culture right and that was you know looking back on it now it was a revolutionary thing but we didn't really look at it like that we just looked at it like it would be just be something cool and we didn't we didn't think about how we were delivering the message because we just delivered the message how we actually already speak right there were millions of people that was left out of the conversation for a long time because nobody spoke the language that they were used to hearing. So now when they actually heard it from a dialect that they could actually comprehend, it was like, okay, this isn't, this isn't as intimidating as I thought it would be. And it's like, you know, even to ask a question, you have to have a certain level of education. This is what I told Joe Button. A lot of times people can't even like, you can't ask a question unless you have some level of knowledge. Because in order to ask a question, you have to actually even know what to even ask. Mm-hmm. So what happens a lot of times is that this happens in the music business and every business is like people just don't ask questions because nobody wants to seem dumb. And mm-hmm. they can't, you don't, you're just so confused that you just go along whatever somebody tells you. But now when you receive a certain level of education, now you can actually seek more education. So that's what we've done is like planted the seed for people where it's like, all right, our podcast, you might not know every single thing to know about stocks, but now you, at least you know enough. So when you listen to that YouTube video, you can say, okay, now I understand it. Now I'm going to go to this and it leads you down a rabbit hole of education. 
Yeah. And true Wu Tang fashion. We got the best product on the block. <laughs> <laughs> That's the next hoodie. <laughs> best product on the block. They understand that. <laughs> but you need you need relatable messengers so that so that kids can can look around and say, oh, there's all these other avenues and different things that I can do, and it still feels cool to them. Right. Because it's relatable. They they understand because there's a need for all these different professions and different different education out there. Yeah, it's important. And that's one of the things when um, I was in a critical writing class in school and um, one of the teachers, uh, she had put hip hop lyrics on the desk. And I thought that was a brilliant idea because it was a way for her to ex have creative writing ex expressed through hip hop language. And so when I saw that idea, I was like, this is great. Let's do it for financial literacy. And so our lessons were based around what the rappers were saying. So I would put like Jay-Z quotes and it would mean something. And even like 21 Savage, I would put, we, you know, we, we kept in contact with the music so we knew what they were listening to, but broke it down to like, okay, did you hear this line though? Like y'all listen to the music, but did you hear what he just said? This is what this means. And we turned it into a lesson. Even the Beyonce thing, I remember when, we, when she said, um, pay me in equity. Well, we had to, that's a lesson right there, mm -hmm. right? Pay me in equity, watch me reversal the debt. Oh, wait, that's a bar, but that's an entire lesson. Right. Like it became the music became an outlet for us to teach kids through a language that they understood. Even like I saw a little yada the other day. Like that was was it on a uh, million dollars? Million dollars worth of game. Yeah, he was on there. Yep. I mean the the interview that he had it was like wow. I was impressed by it because this is what we've been doing. So I'm happy to see that entertainers and celebrities of a certain stature are actually understanding the language and saying like these are the mistakes we made because we didn't have it. Let's start this revolution. I know. Tax I have a question for you guys, real quick. Dale. Yeah. Um, I'm. I've been obsessed lately with life insurance, right? For, to for my family, I have one policy already. I got one from from my girl, and I'm looking to get a second policy. Somewhere, I feel like I've heard that life insurance can be used as some kind of financial tool or something that that can be leveraged in in some kind of way. Do you guys know anything about that, or can school me on anything that has to do with life insurance? Came to the right guy. <laughs> you came to the right guy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Life insurance can be used in a variety of different ways. A lot of times people think that, you know, it's only, okay, I have life insurance. I die, somebody gets money. That's like the most basic fundamental understanding of it. And that is part of it, but there's more to it. So that, like what you're referring to, there's different types of life insurance policies. So like if you have a permanent policy, like a whole life policy, it lasts your whole life and it grows what's called cash value. So money grows inside of the life insurance policy. Like interest? Yep. And you can borrow against that. You can use that money while you're alive. So you can use the money from your life insurance policy to, you know, pay for your kids college, to start a business, to down payment for a home, anything. Um, mm -hmm. So it's not only a death benefit that goes to um, your family or your beneficiaries when you, when you die, but it also is a living benefit that actually grows and accrues money while you're alive as well. So it's like a double edged sword in a sense, as far as that's concerned. And there's other life insurance policies, like a term insurance policy, where mm -hmm. it just lasts for just 20 years or 15, 30 years, and you just pay a premium and that's it. There's no cash value at all. So yeah, life insurance, there's a variety of different things that you can do with life insurance. Um, once again, it just goes back to education. Um, you know, most people don't fully have a, a, a good understanding of life insurance. And um, they kind of shy away from it because they just don't understand it. They're like, I don't want to make this person rich. I don't want to mm -hmm. make my kids. <laughs> your, your family. I don't want to make my family rich. Yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy. At 20, like this is a true story. At 26, um, he, he was just starting his career in, in, in the world of finance. And um, he presented like, you need to get life insurance. I had no kids. I had a girlfriend. Um, I'm like, eh, whatever. But in my mind, I'm like, I'll do it just because this is my brother and he's starting his business and I want support. I'll be his first client. It's probably one of the best decisions I ever made, right? Like I was 26 when I got my policy. 13 years later, I have two kids and a wife and a home. And now it's like, all right, well, I've had my policy for 13 years. There's cash value in it. And if anything ever happens to me, you know, my, my, my family be taken care of before I even had a family. So that's one of the key things, like start early as you can. Um, because when we had these conversations, it was so crazy. We used to have these conversations all the time with people and they had children. Like, Yo, you, you ever think about life insurance? And they're like, I ain't worrying about that. I ain't, I ain't trying to think about myself dying and it's like that you hear that that you you because it's not gonna that, happen to me uh, it's not happening man, to I, me. Ain't, I, ain't I don't give like, a damn i'm like let's life insurance up let's go <laughs> yeah but it, it really isn't for the, the 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 person who dies it's for the people who live 
Right. So we got. We always got to think about that. Why wouldn't you want your family to, to be taken care of? Like, that doesn't even make any sense. I don't want them to worry about anything. Cover. Exactly. And I'm assuming you know that has to cover debts that you might have or whatever. I just. That's why now I'm looking for a second one. I'm like, let me make sure they 100 percent good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me, that's that's the route, right? If we don't have it covered, then we, you know we'll, we'll see it. We'll see the you know what uh, we something happens to a family member, and you see the GoFundMe, and it's like these things should have been prepared exactly. for. Like we have to prepare for our own death, right? That's our responsibility. That's one of the best lines you ever said too. I give you credit today. Yeah, that's one of the best. Like your, your death is your responsibility, and so I don't want to have to burden anybody or have to burden anybody's finances with that. So I got to make sure that that's taken care of on my end. Yeah, it's, it's, it's your responsibility. This is a, a, a parent show, so. I feel like it's your responsibility to take care of your, your family while you're alive mm-hmm. and when you're dead. Um, you know, it's your, it's your responsibility to take care of your family when you're no longer here through life insurance, through investing, through setting up your children. Like, you know, that's part of being a parent. Like you sign up for that. Like, you know, you got to you got to take care of that. And like you said, unfortunately, a lot of times that's not a thought. And other people are burdened with taking care of your family when you're no longer here. So at the very least, you should be responsible enough to, to take care of your family when you're no longer here. What, what do you tell mm-hmm. people that are looking at, you know, the, I call it the hot topic because you hear it so often nowadays. I mean, it's probably forever, but like the topic of generational wealth, right? And that that's a big, vast universe. It gets really complicated for a lot of people. But if you if you take many steps back and you say, all right, here are the foundational steps toward achieving generational wealth, what recipe would you give folks that they should look into and kind of consider? Um, yeah, well, start with the basics. I, before we even get to the generational wealth conversation, learn to save. Learn um, to save. Mindset is, mindset is extremely important, and you have to be disciplined. Um, I heard Jada Kid say this before. I, I equate everything to rap lines. Um, <laughs> I have, like, all rap lyrics in my brain. But he said, if you can't save money, you're useless. The only thing you're ever going to have is excuses. Mm. And it, that's real. It's like you're only going to have excuses in life if you never learn to save money. So learn to, learn to control your urges. Learn to live, beyond, live, live below your means. Learn to save money. Learn to pay off debt. Credit card debt is another major thing that will stop you from ever getting to the place that you want to be be financially and then of course once you get to that level where you have a certain amount of money saved like i usually say like six months of emergency fund saved now you want to start investing and you know investing in the stock market something that we talk about a lot we're very enthusiastic about stock market investing um save for your retirement she glutch once said you're going to be older a lot lot longer you're going to be younger Mm -hmm. that's a fact save for your retirement set your children up uh, 529 plan custodial account we can talk about those if you would if you would like life insurance extremely important you have to live somewhere so you probably will want to own the place that you're you're, you're um, living in as opposed to renting um you can build equity and that, that value in your home will grow over the course of time as opposed to paying rent forever and then you have nothing to show for it and then you know from there you can buy more property and build your real estate mm-hmm. portfolio so these are all tenants to generational wealth and these are things that you can hold and pass down you can pass down stocks you can pass down real estate mm-hmm. um life insurance definitely will provide you know generations um of financial freedom if, if you structure it correctly so those are all good starting points as far as you know and then of course you know building a business that's another thing you know building a business that you can pass down and and leave to, you know, your heirs and have them grow that business and grow it as big as Walmart. So these are all things that, you know, a lot of times, you know, when you live in your day-to-day life, you don't really, you don't really think about that. Cause it's like, you know, the average person is just trying to just figure out how they're going to make it to the next pay period. The rat race. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. So life, life like, is a treadmill, people running in place, getting nowhere yep. fast. Yeah, I think that's, that's the biggest thing that money provides you with, in my opinion, is, is the opportunity to think. And, you know, your mind is a terrible thing to waste. And a, a, a lot of us are wasting it, not only with, you know, just poisoning our brain with, you know, toxics and music. A lot of times is poison also, but po- just like you don't have enough time because you just work all day and then you got to go home. You got to, you know, get your kids ready for basketball practice. And then by the time you you go to sleep, it's like you don't you never really had time to really even think. Mm-hmm. But, you know. When you don't have to wake up at any point in time, you don't have to go to bed at any time. Now you could just think about different ideas. I want to start this business. I want to invest in this. Let me research this. Let me do that. And that only leads to you actually making more money. Right. It allows you to be creative and free, truly. Yeah, that's yeah. a fact. Yeah, everything. I mean, those are some pillars, but everything kind of generates to the same premise. It's 
something that you can pass down. And so most people, again, don't think about the next generation, right? So how can you create generational wealth if you're not putting pillars that are going to pass down something to the to the next people? And it's not only these pillars, but it's also, again, like you said, mindset and education, right? From one generation to the next, yes, that's cool if my kids are great, but I don't want just for my kids to be great. I want my grandkids to be great. I want my great grandkids, you know what I'm saying? That's generations that'll pass on. And so we have to teach fundamentals. Like when you're saying you're talking to your son at seven, that's key, right? When he has a kid, he'll be talking to him at five, right? By the time he, you know what I mean? So you pass on these pillars and you pass on the education. Plus another thing that that doesn't get passed and it's tough is the, the value of working smart. A lot of people say work hard, work hard, work smart. Work smart. Like my father worked hard and that didn't guarantee me anything. He worked for 42 years. It didn't guarantee me an interview at his job. Right. It didn't guarantee anything, but he would have a retirement. Right. So I would say that ability to work smart and adapt those pillars, that's generational wealth right there. You're missing a Styles P line so we could complete the locks. <laughs> Every everybody everybody want to pull. I need the ocean to swim in. That's my favorite styles line of all time, man. My favorite styles line. Uh, Every man ahead of the group. Yeah. There we go. I'll do better than kiss cheek of the luch. Every man at the head of the group with red in our boots. That's my yeah, favorite. Yeah. Shout out to shout out to the locks, man. Yeah, one four. You know we got hometown heroes. At what age? And not, maybe you've already started talking to your kids about this, about stocks and stock market and teaching them about that side of life. Yeah, for sure. I mean, my son, you know, I opened his account actually um, this year, last year, I opened his opened an account for him mm-hmm. last year, he's 10. So I was actually having a conversation with him last weekend about um, some of the stocks that's in his portfolio. He was like really excited, telling everybody about it, telling um the EYL chat. Yeah, yeah, like telling his, he wants to tell his mom how much money he has in his account and all that. So. I ain't telling my kid. <laughs> he's, extremely, he's extremely um enthusiastic about it. I actually put the um stock app on his on his phone so he can actually Dope. track track his stock and look at it and see how yeah. it's doing. So yeah, he's he's excited. He's excited, you know, um about it. So I talk to him about it, let him know. I show him how much is in his account, show him what he's invested in. And um, hopefully, you know, he'll have a, a great appreciation so he won't waste it, you know, when he has time <laughs> to access it. Yeah, Are same doing- thing. Same, same thing. Um, and uh, my kids uh, had some shares. Like, I wanted to get a 1,000 shares of Apple for my kids, right? So they could split it uh, and have 500 apiece. And so that's where it started with them. Um, and then the Roblox conversation was like a perfect segue. It couldn't have been timed any better because there's something that they love doing. And so it was a perfect segue to teach them about the market and have them invest in it. So like our kids have like their own little group chat. And so they all, all talking about how they own Roblox, which is dope. Like they're nine and 10 and seven years old. And they're talking yeah. about owning a piece of a company. In addition to that, um, I know both our kids have bank accounts. Like he's seven years old. My kid has a debit card, right? Like I know some adults who don't have a debit card. Yeah, so, for real. Like straight up. Yeah. And, and it's, it's beautiful. The beautiful thing about it is like, we, we can control the accounts. So like as they grow, they can have the card and you can put an allowance in it for them every week or you can put an allowance in them for every month. And so it teaches them financial responsibility, right? Though so This is your budget. If you go over it, there is no money until next week. Um, so it's, it, you start teaching these lessons early on and they just become a part of your natural life. Like it's a part of the natural everyday life for them to be looking at me what doing investments and seeing where the money's going and telling their friends that my my daddy's well he has a lot of money and i'm like no we broke we broke (laughs) we broke (laughs) my money's in the market it's not here relax exactly exactly (laughs) daddy don't got any money i tell him daddy's broke how you broke daddy i said i didn't make any money today that's how i'm broke and that's how we ain't make any money today (laughs) are you setting up uh like their stock accounts, are you just are you setting it up in their names under their social, or is it or is it through you know? Are you attached to it? Yeah, um, so it's a custodial account, so you can set up what's called the Utma U M A account, and um, it's you are um, the custodian of it, but it's it's under the child's name, so you put their information, their social, their date of birth, their name, whatever. And then when they become, depending on what state, but most states 18, when they become 18, they have legal um, rights to to the money. So education is extremely important as well, because it's like 
you know, you're 18 years old, you might not make the best right. with the money. Mm. So <laughs> that's why it's important to educate them. I mean, ultimately you could just, you know, what can you do as a parent? You can only try your best, but I think if they're educated properly and they're in a, you know, environment where they, they understand money, yeah. you know, they'll be less likely to, cause yeah. that's a big thing where it's like, you know, how do I control this? Da, 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 da. Um, and there's different ways to go about like different measures if you really want to be real strict about it. But, um, yeah. And where do you set up these accounts? Like, what's the best way to go about setting them up? You, you want? Yeah, any online brokerage. Like, so me, for my son, I use Merrill, Merrill Edge, Merrill Lynch, but you can do Fidelity. Yeah, TD Ameritrade. TD Ameritrade. Um, you just, you know, all of the apps, they're free. Just download, like, the TD Ameritrade app, and you can just, it's, like, really, like, takes, like, five minutes. Like, you know, actually, like, what kind of accounts you want to set up. So you can set up an account for yourself, an IRA, uh, a raw IRA or what's called the custodial account account for you see like a, a minor account and then you go to the minor account tab and then they'll just walk you through like all the stuff that you need your name social date of birth whatever yeah. um, and then it's up and running from there you link it to your bank account so you can transfer money into it you transfer the money in and then from there you can just purchase whatever stock fund uh, index fund ETF that you want and uh yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and there's a lesson in it too, right? You're teaching them long-term investing. So a lot of people want to put money in and say, oh, I'll take it out tomorrow. I made money. But right. it in when they're 10 years old, they can't touch it till they're 18. There's delayed gratification there. And so now you have an eight-year investment. And I mean, granted, you do all your research and your homework and you put you make some solid picks. That's going to grow into something that, that could be really substantial. And the beauty, the beautiful thing about it is like when they hit 18, they'll understand the value of money. And so they've been, they'll be exposed to so many things that they'll understand like having this amount of money is not something that you should blow. Whereas when we grew up, if you gave me 20,000 at 18, it's over. I'm, Bye. Oh, yeah, I'm on yeah. Fordham Road. I'm at the dealership. Popping champagne. <laughs> in the club. Like, not even good over. champagne. You just popping whatever champagne. <laughs> everybody, more bottles, right? Cause we, not, we didn't have it. And so the first second that we get it. Cause you think that's what it. rich looks like. You're exactly. like, I want to look it, you know? Exactly. And so they, they're going to have so much exposure that they'll understand the value of money and what it can do and how it's a, really a tool um, to have freedom. I, I think there's a like a misconception when it comes to stocks, like you have to have like a large sum of money to get in and start buying stuff. Uh, I mean, for like kids accounts or even for just the average folks who maybe have never played around in stocks. What's what's a good kind of entry level? You can start, um, like, if you want to do a lump sum, most accounts, you, like, use, like, a minimum, like, $1,000. Mm. Um, but if you want to do monthly, a lot of times you can start with less than that. You can start with, like, $50 a month if you want to do monthly into, like, a, a mutual fund, something like that. But, um, yeah, you you don't have to start with a lot of money, especially what we what we call dollar cost averaging. That's when you put money in on a consistent basis over the period of time. So that's, like, all right, every first of the month, I'm going to put, you know, Three hundred dollars and or two hundred dollars, whatever. Like you know, what I mean, like that adds up over the course of time. So, a lot of people might be familiar with that in regards to their four hundred one k plan, where it's like if you have a job with a four hundred one k and they take money out of your paycheck every time you get paid, they might take two hundred or a hundred, whatever you allocate. You don't really think about it because it's not a large amount of money. But you know, before you know it, you look up, you got a hundred thousand dollars in your retirement account. That's because you put money in discipline every single time you got paid. So that's a great way to go about it, especially if you're putting smaller um, sums in. It's the consistency. It's the consistency. It's a snowball effect. So, yeah, you definitely do not have to be a millionaire. You don't have to have a million dollars to invest. You can start with a small amount. You can add to it over the course of time, which is extremely beneficial. Um, but I tell people, like, you know, the, the the biggest mistake that people make in investing is not starting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just like for a variety of different reasons, people just never start. So it's like it's like working out, you know. You, before you run a marathon, you just got to take one step. So. Yeah. Start where you are, use what you can. And right. And there's always the excuse that, oh, I don't have enough. Or, da, 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 like, you hear enough it all. Is, yeah, but enough is a subjective word, right? Right. Like, what is enough? So, yeah, to each, right. He's right. a DJ. He's a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Let me ask you guys you think that this is an age, this is going to age me, this question, but you think that um, it's dif more difficult to teach kids now about uh, financial literacy or to respect money? In the in the age now that there's almost no cash being used, uh, I think it's easier to teach kids, and that that's the the beautiful thing about working with kids because they're sponges. 
right? Like I, I always, again, rap lyrics. I always tell them, I never sold them a dream. I just showed them the cream, mm-hmm. right? And so if we show them how to make the money, they're going to gravitate to it because they want to know how to do it again. Mm-hmm. They want to replicate it. But will it's, they know what the money is? If like, you know, I'm, I'm just saying. It's, oh, you're saying in a plastic. Before oh, it was a I, tangible, I, I, physical I, item. I think, I think kids is growing up where they, this is all they this, know. Yeah, this, this is, is it. Like now it's the matrix, you know. Yeah. If you ask them like, who's the person on a hundred dollar bill, they probably have no clue. Right. It's, it's only the matrix because we were familiar with a, a different time period. It's like if you ask kids about, you know, CDs, right? And it's like, you know, do What's they re- do they really? Right, appreciate- right. Well, yeah. what it like? Because when I was growing up, I used to actually go to the. I think on Tuesdays, records used to come out with, every Tuesday. Yeah. I used to yep. go. I used to go to Sam Goody and I used to buy the CD for fourteen ninety nine or thirteen ninety nine or whatever. And I would look at the cover art. I would look at the you know the writers, the credits, right? The credits, all of that. It meant something to me to have that. Like I remember, like speaking of Ghost, like and Ray. You know, when I when the Purple Tape came out, I was eleven years old, but. You know, a lot of people don't even realize why they called the purple tape. The first 500,000 right. copies of the tape was actually purple. purple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it meant something to have that purple tape. Like that was a, some, that was a staple. Yeah. But now kids is just listening to everything on Apple Music. Yeah. So it's like you can ask them, do, do you still have the same appreciation for music? Because you didn't actually have to go to the store. But for them, that's all they know. Yeah. So they, they can't even relate to not doing that. It's crazy. I think they still have an appreciation for it, but not the same appreciation that we have but in a different way yeah so i think money is the same way where you know we could relate i mean paper money is still in existence you just look at these rappers they still have <laughs> right right but even pandemic post pandemic it's it's someone like the other day a friend of mine was like i went to a bar and they was they stopped accepting cash at the bar yeah, 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 so yeah. we're leaning I mean, towards I mean, you, going you, more digital i mean yeah it's, it's 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 a valid point to say like if it's not something that you can physically hold do you still have the same appreciation for it um I think so because it, no matter what, even if you like just lose money in your in your uh, you know your online bank account, you still lost the money. You like what happened? Like you know what I'm saying? Like I still gotta pay somebody cash out. If I gotta pay somebody cash out, I'm still paying them. Yeah. It doesn't matter. So I think I think they still have the the appreciation for it, even though it's not physical. Uh, but it is interesting, and the world is definitely changing. Where pretty soon there will be no physical money at all. It won't right? Be. Yeah. Nah. Like when we was kids, the monopoly money, you was like, you looked at it like it was real money. I still My daughter, do. who's who's about to be three years old, she has fake money and she just crumbles it up and starts throwing it at her little brother. I'm like, no, that's that's cash. What you doing? She doesn't look at that because she doesn't see daddy or mommy pay at the counter anymore with, the, with those things that seem like they're valuable. Yeah, but yeah. that that she's being accustomed to her environment. In her environment, right. it there's no value for the paper because mommy and daddy use plastic. Maybe right. maybe that's why the rappers are doing it. It's like nostalgic, like how we have like these vinyls. Yeah, I don't even know what this is. Like ten mm. years from now, when there's oh, yeah, like, no, they don't. money, you're still you're still gonna have rappers doing the, the money challenge on their phone, or like holding it. Not, to, remember, we, we supposed be, to, we supposed to kill a mic, and he was at he went to Blue a, 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 he went to the, the uh, a strip at. club and he saw somebody tipping the stripper with. Cash app, yeah. like digital. Like, but what I'm saying no is cash. that maybe it'll be nostalgic, wow. and it'll be only hip hop that's actually still using cash. Yeah. It'll be like crazy. one of those things from the past. That's crazy. I don't think, well, artists always want to get paid cash at the show, so yeah, they still want. They still <laughs> and there's want. a reason for that. <laughs> it's the physical. It, there is a certain physical magic to have something money. Like if you have like a million dollars on a table, you feel like Scarface. Like if you have a million dollars in your you know, cash app, it just doesn't feel the same. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yo, I still got a piggy bank, and I think, I love it. Like, I look at that shit, and I feel it every time. Anytime I get cash, I put it in my piggy bank. It's a big-ass uh, water bottle. It's like Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. yeah my, my uncle taught me that back in the day. He's like, you fill that up with pennies, dimes, quarters, whatever. And if you ever have any hard time in your life, you just dump that, and that's going to carry you through. And it did that twice for me in my life. <laughs> That's like yeah. the Latino staple. I, I feel don't like care I see how much that money everywhere. I make. I'm gonna keep filling that motherfucker yeah. up. <laughs> Yo, let, well, you let, know what? They they might they might start making NFTs of money when there's no yeah. more money. Fuck. So you can, at least you can feel like you have it. First Yo, this this let's talk about NFTs for a second because E was talking to me about NFTs the other day, and I'm yeah, I'm man. a big hoops head, right. so I've been seeing like the NBA with the NFTs, the top, top, top shots, shot yeah, crazy, yeah. And I, I I'll be honest, bro. I'm I'm still kind of fucking loopy when it comes to Ooh. understanding why I don't think want to pay 60 million for a JPEG. I'm just But it's start. not for you to pay. It's for us to put shit out and get 60 million for it. So, yeah. so I, 
so I, I I don't know if Warren Buffett's thing like mindset on crypto has changed, but I know early well when crypto started bubbling, he was like, "Yo, I don't I'm not fucking with it because I really don't get it all that much, and this is my lane. I'm gonna stay over here." You guys are I feel like a lot more eclectic. You you have a, a sense of a lot of different things and. I feel like I've heard y'all talk about crypto in a positive light. Like what's your stance on it? And then similarly, like NFT, like how do you look at that? Yeah, it's here to stay. I mm. mean, I think Warren Buffett, you know, he's the greatest investor of all time, but he's been wrong on a lot of things. Sure. Wrong yeah. on the internet. He also said the internet, he didn't understand it. How'd that work out? So it's like, right. you can't be a dinosaur in this world and the world moves so quickly that, you know, we're in a space, we're in a, we're in a financial literacy space. So we got to stay up to date on every single thing. It's uncomfortable to learn new things. Like once you just figured out stocks, like, oh, I got to start at the beginning with NFTs, but that's part of it. So, but crypto, we've been in the crypto space for years. We've been mm -hmm. in the crypto space for almost five years at this point. So cryptocurrency, definitely believe in crypto. Um, it's here to stay. Uh, Ethereum, Bitcoin, believe in all of that um and nfts is interesting because that's like a new a new wave but it really makes a lot of sense especially for artists mm -hmm. um you know what i mean if you can especially like once you start to understand that you can get royalties mm -hmm. on a for the life of a creation um that's huge it's a game it's like, changer yeah, 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 yeah. It, what, what it does really is it makes the original piece of art whether it be a picture whether it be a song it can't be duplicated, right? The blockchain doesn't allow it to be duplicated. And so it lives on that blockchain forever as the original. If somebody ever sells it, they're selling the original. And the best part about it is if you created it, you can charge a commission on that sale. And so if you bought it for $25, if somebody sells that for a thousand and your commission is 10%, you're taking money. If that person sells it and your commission still, but every time it gets sold, you get a commission or that 10% on the sale of, they're original. And so that's what makes it beautiful because if you're an artist, like that piece of that, that painting behind you, that like that is the original piece of art, right? right? Nobody can ever duplicate it. And so you see that a lot in the art world. I got that up on NFT, by the way. <laughs> Sidebar. <laughs> Mintable. Go check me out. I mean, how, 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 I, how I envision it, and this is just my own personal opinion, is that it's a mix between NFTs, cryptocurrency, virtual reality, and reality and real world. So like the Mona Lisa, right? It's like, I've been to the Louvre in Paris and I've saw it. And it's like, you know, a lot of people are never gonna be able to go to Paris to actually see the Mona Lisa. So imagine if the Mona Lisa like was a digital artwork and then you, you can have art showings in Art Basel. Art Basel or Art Basel? Basel. Basel. Our Basel. We all said three different things. <laughs> Basel Basel. Yeah, we from New York. That's what we said. And now you can actually go, but you can see it virtually. And it's the real, it's the real painting, but a virtual like hologram pretty much where now you can actually experience it. Yeah. And now you don't have to worry about it being, you know, damaged if you try to ship it or you don't have to worry about, you know, frauds, things of that nature. So yeah. stuff like that, ideas like that, where we combine real world, events with virtual reality it's crazy i think we're going to start seeing more more and more of that yeah that's what but, i said if you if you create art this is a perfect right. time quick question though and yeah. i don't want to go down the nft rabbit hole because we could yeah this is the part that i'm trying to wrap my head around so you saying like the picture behind me and i did i have one that i put up but my my what i'm trying to understand is if i put something up and sell it on as an nft if that was available somewhere else, if someone could just Google that image and grab it online, does that still hold its value? Yeah, because you can you can Google uh, the Mona Lisa online. So but it's just I, the fact that you the you blockchain it. It. makes it that, and that, that's the great valuable. thing. With blockchain is that you own it, so you have receipt of it forever. So you, we, the problem that I think a lot of us have is that we don't look at digital assets as real assets. It's easy when I said the Mona Lisa thing, you got it right away, right? It's like right. Right, that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me because even though I can Google. Mona Lisa, I can print out a, a picture of the Mona Lisa. I still don't own the Mona Lisa. If right. I own the Mona Lisa, now I own it. But we we don't look at digital assets as real yet. Yeah, I right. guess because you, you can replicate it so easily, just you know, yeah. screenshot or you know, rip something and and do. But what the blockchain is going to do is authenticate it. It's right. authenticated. This exactly. is from an authentic source. One of yeah. one. Nobody else owns it. You right. Own it. Yeah, so that's that's you just made the point. This can't be replicated. So that right. one of one is the one of one for the its existence, and so that's why. And, and a lot of times, 
we, we talk about Bitcoin, but Ethereum is the place that that blockchain is cre- it's created on that right. blockchain and it stays there forever. I, before, I mean, I know we're coming up on time, so I, I want. I got my daughter already screaming at me from downstairs. <laughs> so we're, we're, appro- we're approaching tax day. Well, technically we're approaching tax day. I think they extended the deadline, but um, it's usually like the Super Bowl for a lot of people. Right. Like they look at tax day like, oh, my God, it's like the broke ass Christmas is how I look at it. Right. Because all that money's already been spent if they're getting any at all. I, I was always told by people that I trusted their financial wisdom. Uh, they always said to me, you're going to pay your share and you got to be mentally prepared for that. The best way to combat you getting, quote unquote, raped from Uncle Sam is high octane offense on the on the money side right like earn as much as you possibly can and and kind of don't don't think too much about what you got to pay on the tax side now of course you want to be intelligent about how you you know manage your money and set up corporations if you need to that that kind of thing so that you can try to keep as much as you can but like i'm curious how you guys look at it because in our communities i say unfortunately people look at this as like they're getting they're getting all this cash kind of out of nowhere. And the reality is they're probably fucking up somewhere if they're not, if that's how they're looking at the world. Right. So like, how do you, how do you advise people about taxes in general and how they should look at tax day? I mean, it's crazy. You get a tax refund. People think, people think a tax (laughs) refund is like a gift from the government. It's an interest-free loan that you gave the government for 13 months. And they just give you, I mean, you pay too much money in taxes, right? You pay too much money in taxes and they held it and now they used it and now they're giving it back to you 15 months later. So well, it is an interest-free loan. From them. So it's not like, that's one thing. Just keep in mind, that's your money. You're getting your money back. You're right. not getting a, a but we've been We've been taught to celebrate it. Right. We, it's, we, we're not educated. Free money. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's it. So yeah. that's the first thing. Second thing is, um, yeah, taxes is extremely important to try to mitigate taxes, like even bringing it back to the parent conversation. Like, you know, one of the things that we did was, you know, as a business owner, you can employ your children um, and you can actually write it off. What is it? Twelve? Um, so, uh, oh, it depends by state. Twelve thousand six hundred. Twelve thousand six hundred. Um, so, you know, we did that for our kids. So now. All right. So not, not only is it is a deduction for the company, so we save money in taxes, but now we're putting money in our kids' account, and now that's growing over the course of time as well. So now it, it accomplishes a few different things where it's saving us money, it's going to the kids, and it's actually going to grow. So that's one tax strategy for parents. If you are a business owner, um, you can definitely take advantage of that. And um, as long as your kid is of, le- of reasonable working age and they can perform a reasonable working task um you can do it yeah and so think about that right we talked about those principles and those pillars if you did that and your kid is eight years old by the time he's of working age which is like 14 to 15 you've got maybe eight years of paying twelve thousand dollars twelve thousand six hundred dollars so you're all almost guaranteeing your kid between 70 to a hundred thousand by the time they're 18 if you just paid them from the business account, twelve thousand six hundred. And uh, how does that tie into like them building and establishing their credit? Because there's a piece in there also that you can basically add so that they're developing their credit early, right? Yeah, you can add. So you mm-hmm. can add a child to your credit card, um, and they they can start building credit as being an authorized user. Mm-hmm. And um, even if they don't actually use it. They're just that they're on the card by you using it and you having good credit and you paying your bills on time. That's actually helping them. Mm-hmm. So it's like in a couple of years, if you add a teenager to a credit card and by the time they're 18, they can have like a 700 credit score just because of, you know, they've been on your credit for three years and you had, you know, good payments. You've never done anything to detriment their credit score. And now they're, they're the beneficiaries of that. So now they don't have to start, you know, trying to build credit from like, the scratch, like, you know, when you start with just a new credit card, you try to build, like you get like a hundred dollar limit and you got to build it up and it takes a couple of years to do that. So now you already fast track them to having a, a great credit. And now like when they're in college, they got a 700 credit score. Now you set up an LLC and now, you know, they can get an apartment on campus mm-hmm. and now they can actually rent it out and be a landlord and collect mm-hmm. and collect rent. Yeah. I'm I'm an actual product of that. When I was 18, my mom made me an authorized user on American Express. And so I was 18, but the card, she got it when uh, I was three. 
right? When she became a member, I was three. So I get 15 years of credit just because she was a responsible parent about her credit, right? She took care of her credit, made me an authorized user. So now at 18, I can get a credit card and right off the bat, I'm gonna get a thousand dollars worth of credit just because of her 15 years of good credit Time as out. an authorized user. Time out, I'm sorry, real yeah, quick. Yeah. She yeah. she added you as an authorized user at 18. Yeah. And you benefited from her 15 years track record. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mama Millings. Okay. That's a fact. That's a fact. That's dope. Or just open up a credit card under your kid's social security number and max it out. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> another route. And be a real and be a real good parent. <laughs> Yo, fellas, man. Yo, uh, Rashad, I did want to talk about hoops and that aspect of things, but we're going to save that for another time. We're going to have to have you guys back because I know we got mad questions and we're going to try to pimp this relationship yeah, we a little bit. Yeah, the surface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nah, and, uh, but no, nah, thank you guys, man. This, this was dope. Um, tell us again, like I know a lot of the gems you guys talk about on your podcast and just generally, a lot of this education can be found in uh, EYL University, correct? Yeah, for sure. Yes, so first, thank you for having us. We greatly appreciate it. Um, so yeah, EYL University is our online. Um, so that's like, we have public school, which is the podcast and YouTube and Instagram and then private school, which is EYL University. And that is like, Ooh. you know, classes, weekly, weekly classes. We've done an interview or two. Before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mentorship. We got a book club. We got a movie club. We got a private Facebook group. So that's a community. That's, a, that's an intimate community that's growing at a very rapid pace. So mm-hmm. all the information for that is on EYLUniversity.com. Got you. Beautiful. Yeah. Yo, thanks, fellas. Thank you, fellas. Definitely. Appreciate your time, man. Oh, I appreciate nah, no it, problem. man. Thank you. Right. We got to make drink champs happen. Absolutely. Right, we we'll be in Miami um in a couple of weeks, so you know, just just to link up. If you're free, I know you got a lot going on, but for sure, no, nah, absolutely. We definitely yeah. got to link up. Yeah, y'all, y'all moving to Miami, we, so we, it's whatever. Yeah, we down there a lot. When we Go see Noe, I'm I'm gonna tell, tell him this line. And that's the reason we got these up there. Yeah, when he yeah. when he said on it was like a hot ninety seven freestyle. I love the Bo Jackson, the orange and blue. So like that's one of my favorite lines. He actually was on my door as a kid, so yeah, that's yeah, a homage yeah. to him right there. Oh, yeah. dope. Appreciate All right, y'all. it, guys. Be All right, easy. Guys. All right, I'm gonna All right. Feed All right fellas. Peace. Yo, be a father. If not, why bother, son? A boy can make him, but a man can raise one. Be a father to your child. 